passion it's that it's like the thing that you continue to do but you, you can't keep track of time you just you lose yourself in it that, that's what you're passionate about it's the thing that you keep you continually keep finding yourself doing and don't need to pull yourself away from somebody else has to pull you away from it and i think the key to success is if you can make that your job welcome to the chasing passion podcast my name is dom and i'm your host Each week, I bring on a passionate person to help you discover your own passion in life and how to begin pursuing it. Thanks for spending some time with me today and let the episode begin. Hey there, welcome to another episode of the podcast. In this podcast, I talk to individuals from many different backgrounds who are doing what they love and make a living from it. This podcast is a tool. It's a tool to help other people find what kind of career, life path they want to take and how to begin pursuing it. Each week, I bring on people from many different backgrounds and I ask them questions about their background, how they started and the lessons they learned along the way. Perhaps by listening to these stories, something resonates with you and is something that you want to pursue yourself. If you do enjoy the podcast, would you consider leaving a short view on Apple Podcast? Please, this will help me out so much. Anyways, allow me to introduce you to this week's guest, Sean McGarity. Sean is the director of Elite Fitness and Performance Academy and has been instructing students at his academies in BlackRock since 2011. He has built Elite into the greatest provider of courses for the fitness industry with graduates being commended in gyms all over Ireland. Prior to all this, Sean has had over 20 years of experience and has led some of the most successful franchise operations in Ireland. In this episode, we talk about many things including why sales is extremely important when it comes to personal training, combining unique skills to drive results, what got him interested in fitness in the first place, advice to anyone who wants to get into personal training or maybe open up their own gym, the characteristics of a great personal trainer, success stories from his previous clients, and much, much more. Have a look at the website elitefpa.ie to learn more about Elite Academy and what they do. So if you want to be a fitness professional, there's some great, great resources available on the website. And that is elitefpa.ie. You can also find them on Facebook by simply searching Elite Academy Dublin, which is all one word. If you want to connect with Sean, you can. the best way to do so is through Instagram or LinkedIn. And you can do so by searching Sean McGarity on Instagram or LinkedIn. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. And without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Sean McGarity. Sean, welcome to the show. What is happening, Amanda? Are you well? I am indeed. I am indeed. So I guess we'll kick off the podcast by, first of all, could you just kind of provide some context behind who you are, what you've done in the past, the stuff you've done, and perhaps like what you're up to now, um, just to provide some context to the listeners. Yeah, okay. Well, I'll give you the very quick bit, and then you can delve into whatever bits you think would be of interest in. <laughs> of course. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Sean McGarity. What I do right now is I have three um, fitness businesses. So all, all of the businesses that I own are uh, fitness-related. So we have an educational facility, which is called the Elite Fitness and Performance Academy. Um, we have a gym, which is a members-only private uh, uh, personal training facility. And then um, we have a business coaching business. So basically, if you think about the lowest tier of that is where somebody would come into the gym and I suppose they are on their fitness journey. That's the journey they're going on from point A to point B, whatever that is for that person. Some people want to, you know, look, feel or perform better. It's going to fall into one of those three Mm. categories. But at some point in time, sometimes you get like, 
where somebody's changed their body and then they start thinking like, fuck, what if I change my career? What if this was my job? So this could be the next evolution where somebody's changed their body and then they change their career. So we have that avenue for someone who decides they want to pursue fitness in a professional capacity. That's what the Elite Fitness and Performance Academy does. So, for instance, if you wanted to stop doing a podcast, Amanda, you said, I'm going to try my hand at being a personal trainer. Well, you would come and see me. And I would guide you in the process of going from zero to the point where you feel like a person who was certain in your ability to go out into the field and coach anyone. Um, and I suppose then take that on a few steps, maybe go to a couple of years down the line, and you're like, right, I've maxed out my personal training business. I want to take this a bit further. What else could I do with this? And then I suppose that's the the top level of what we do now is like where you come to us with a business and a problem and you're like, this is the obstacle I've hit. I want to go from here to here in my business journey. And we would help you further. So it's a suppose from beginning to end of that whole entire fitness journey where you change your body, you change your career, and then you change, you know, your business and your business direction. That's what I do now. Um what was it doing before? Ah oh, shit. I mean like I've lived many <laughs> lives. So go back like I'm I'm a 41 year old dude now. So I started off in business sort of from a sales capacity and I started off as a car salesman. Um, mm-hmm. And that was my first experience of getting into the business world and like selling. And I moved all the way through sales to sales management to dealer principal is what it's called in the motor trade world. Then I was running a dealership. Um, I mean, at the highest point of my career, the business that I was running was doing 25 million a year. Wow. Um, I own three sites over uh, Northern Ireland. We had a Honda, Seat, and Kia dealership in three sites. Um, and it was crazy. That was from 17 years old up until I was 29. And uh, basically, the world I lived in was, you know, conducted by a certain set of rules. And, like, the code we lived by was just the salesman's code. Like, I mean, generating that kind of revenue is – and. And being under that kind of stress and in that kind of boiler room where you're managing a team of people, like we had 75 staff. It was crazy. So that was, it was like a baptism of fucking fire demand. This, you know what I mean? But that's what the way I was brought up. That's what I was used to. And then basically how I get into fitness was that we, I'll give you the quick version. We, we had a, 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 a site that we were going to sell. We sold that site for 4.3 million back in 2006. And what we did was with that money, we rolled it into another site and we were going to build 98 houses for the Department of Social Development. And that basically meant that we had a site uh, that we were building 98 houses and the government were banned for socially affordable housing. So the deal was already done before we laid a brick. Now, it was going to take a couple of years for us to get everything through. And in that time, you may have heard that the global financial crisis happened. And instead of us being able to sell that and retire to the Caribbean and sip out of coconuts with wee straw hats in them, we ended up on the bank 1.5 million and going absolutely stony broke. So what happened was when I was scratching my ass, trying to think about what the fuck I was going to do with my life, you know, in that period, my whole entire world being turned upside down. I went from running a business of 25 million pound a year, selling a company for a company for 4.5 million, rolling all into this big deal to like go big cash in and everything. I'm probably retired at that age. And I ended up going completely broke and the opposite happened. They owed the bank 1.8 million. And how to start from scratch. And at that point in time, I was asking myself some difficult questions. And I was saying, like, I've had money. Did it really bring me happiness? Because, like, there was a lot of sleepless nights, lots of worry, loads of alcohol to drown it all out because it was crazy. Like, we were living a crazy lifestyle. 
So the only thing that I really wanted or had any passion in whatsoever was fitness. Like fitness was one of these things that and many people listening to this might know that when you, when you if, if you find fitness, usually you find it from a place of rock bottom. And it takes you on a journey. And that journey can make you find not just about aesthetics, but it changes you internally, changes your confidence, changes your you know, the way you carry yourself, your charisma, your your inner self-talk changes, you know, you get more productivity, clarity, focus, all of these things happen first. And the same thing happened with me in fitness. And I, it was something I kept from the age of 17 the whole way entirely through my life. And then I started to think of it a bit differently. Like I said, change your body, change your career. And I sort of said, well, what if that was actually how I went? That was work. And I asked myself, like, you know, fuck it, would I do that for free for the rest mm. of my life and be the happiest dude ever? And the answer that kept coming back when I was really doing some deep soul searching here, because remember, I'm on the dole here at this stage. I'm completely broke. I had to walk away from my house. I have nothing, only the ability to think some deep thoughts about being unemployed. So a lot of time to think about this. And the answer that kept coming back was, I've got to try this. And that's really what made me take a step in the direction of, of, you know, getting into fitness. And that and the fact that everybody was like, you would make a great personal trainer. Because, you know, my whole career through the car industry, sales, when the yeah. people, yeah, through sales, like all the sales guys would come in, new sales guys come in, and then they put on a few pounds and they'd be like, first of all, these would have been the guys that laughed at me in the lunch, in the canteen, when they're going like, are you eating a fucking salad? Like, whatever, you want a diet? And it's like, no, this is just how I eat, you know? And those guys that all would have laughed at me, they start after six months when they put on about a stone, all started asking me for advice, and then they would actually come training with me. So... When the whole dealership was closing down and like fucking handing everything back, all of the guys when they heard me saying this were like, that is the perfect job for you. You'd be fucking brilliant at that. And that really gave me a bit of like confidence that I like, think maybe I'm going in the right direction. And I suppose that was, you know, 11, 12 years ago now at this stage, whenever I, I took a step in, into the direction towards fitness, really with just the idea of like, this is something I'm really passionate about. I would love to share all this, all this great stuff that fitness has given me the capacity and the ability to do and all the positive things that it's had in my life, all the positive impacts it's had on loads of other areas in life, not just with aesthetics. If I was sharing that with somebody else, that'd be awesome. And what inevitably happened is when I set foot in the gym with the idea of coming at it from like, this is my passion, I love it, I realized something you know, very specific. Yes, I had the ability to share information I knew about fitness so that other people could grow in their journey. Yes, I could help them with nutrition and all these behavior things. Yes, 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 yes. And I, I loved, you know, working with my clients. Um, and very quickly, I had a full book. Like I got up to 44 sessions a week within three months of being a, a trainer in the gym. And the reason why was because my entire conditioning from living basically my life in a car showroom, which is a place that you've three minutes from a person hits the first tile of the floor with their foot, you've three minutes in which to introduce yourself, show you're a person of interest, qualify the customer, show them the product fits his needs, ask them for a test drive. Then after the test drive, show them the finance, then ask them for the business. Like that's the steps that you follow every mm. single day, approach every day. And I just walked the gym floor like that and no one else was doing it. And I was like, what the fuck's going on? Why Why aren't people doing this here? But they see the conditioning that I had and the, the way I was brought up, that was just what you did every single day. And that's when I seen like, whoa, these people don't look upon the gym. Like I look upon the, I looked at it like a big showroom and I looked at everyone who was in the gym as someone who could become my client because I had the information that I knew that 
could help them. And I was looking at, at it from that kind of a place. Whereas what I saw was a lot of people who had ability, who you know had potential to help people, but they were so afraid of the word no or what someone else would think of them that they were just they couldn't bring themselves to actually walk up and initiate a conversation with people. And I suppose that's an evolution of me going from you know seals to fitness to realizing that seals was just fucking fitness was just fucking seals. And that, you know, the thing that made me good in the in the showroom was actually something that transferred over into the personal training world. And then I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Imagine I was teaching personal trainers this. Mm. And there's some great personal trainers, some guys I've seen in my career who were better than me at personal training. But unfortunately, they weren't able to succeed or go as far as they could go because the things that was holding them back was got nothing to do with personal training and everything to do with their ability to market and sell themselves. And I was like, whoa, somebody needs to shake this fucking industry up because we could be having much more impact as trainers. We could be helping more people. We could be having a bigger social impact here. And like the thing that's holding them back is this fear of what other people will think, the fear of the word no, the fear of rejection. And people are getting so comfortable that they're not willing to challenge these paradigms. Like I remember one day standing in the gym when this hit me and I, I was just like, Oh fuck. I, I, this is my shit. Oh shit. And I realized, Oh my God, this is going to happen to me again. I'm going to go on another roller coaster here. And I remember walking up to the, the guy who was a trainer on the floor beside me. And I was like, Jesus, look how busy it is here. And he was like, what do you mean? No. And Demantis, this is what he did. He was like, see that guy there. He trains with Will. That girl, she just does a little circuit of all the machines, so you're never talking to her. This guy, and he went around all the people in the gym, and he told me their story. Like, basically, what he was telling me was his justification for not walking up and approaching them. And one guy pointed out, he goes, that guy's Paul. He's been a member of this gym for maybe 12 years, Sean, and he's never taken personal training with anyone. And I went, really? What's his name? Paul. And I said, Daily. And I walked straight up to Paul, and I did what I do. And when I was shaking his hand and signing up to twice a week personal trainer, and I looked round at your man, the personal trainer, and he was like, eyes open, jaw on the floor, like, what the fuck just happened? What have I just witnessed? What has he just done? Has he just sold him personal training? And that's exactly what I did. Was I just walked up and I followed the steps. Yeah. And as I was shaking his hand, and he was like, we, we agreed on a price and we agreed on how many times we used on train. He said this. He said, do you realize I've been, a gym for, I've been a member of this gym for about 10 years, and you're the first personal trainer to talk to me? Wow, that's amazing. You know, and, and, and like everything that I suppose we need to know about the industry is contained in that little story. And I suppose why I approach things slightly differently is because I'm not from the fitness industry. I'm mm. from a very different industry. I'm from the car sales industry where bullshit walks and money talks and like your ability to produce is everything you're judged upon. And I want to take a little bit of that, the good, the good bits of it, not the manipulative and the sleazy side that sometimes gets associated with car salesmen, but the skill and the ability and the knowledge and the tools that I get armed trainers with. That means that they go into any environment with the certain, the certainty that they, that they have the ability to close anyone who's closable and not just make more sales, but make more of the right sales. Because I think that's when you're going to be a happy personal trainer. You're going to be having the biggest impact you could be have. You're going to be helping more people. And you're going to be happy going to work every day. And that's really what it is I'm trying to do. Yeah. Well, 
what I love about that story is there's this guy called Scott Adams and you know you know the way people say you should always become the best in the world at something but like there's a lot of people who like it's very difficult to become the best at something but what Scott Adams suggested is you know pick maybe two or three skills and then combine them and I kind of see you kind of did that in a way because you you grew up in a sales kind of background and then you combine fitness and then boom that's like the ultimate combination and you know I think when you combine multiple skills and apply to a certain job or career you can really have a different kind of way of thinking about things and I think that's why you became so successful things because you just you just had a different mentality to other personal trainers but I'm very curious to ask you this um what were you like as a child and were you always you know this kind of driven to you know sell things to communicate to I guess just talk to people like what were you like as a kid dude I was a fat kid first of all like I mean (laughs) I think Lots of people in the fitness industry have a fat kid story. I, I was that fat kid, genuinely. So, uh, yeah, that, I suppose in, in many ways, that's what actually led me to fitness in the first place. It was like I had a problem at a certain point in my life, and I was like, I need to sort this shit out. But, yes, I like growing up in, in the family I grew up, they were a very entrepreneurial family. Mm. My sister was in sales. My brother was in sales. He worked in the family business, so he grew up in the, in the car dealerships long before I did. I mean, I, I, I could give you loads of stories of where, like, Always in my environment, I was surrounded by that kind of mentality. Mm. Like, do you know the Jordan Belfort movie? This always makes me laugh, where he goes, like, sell me this pen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first time I heard that, first time I heard that, I was uh, I was nine years old, and I was at a sister's wedding. Right. And my sister just came back from this this SEALs training with um, Schwartz Pharma, was the company she was working for back then. Mm-hmm. And she came back from this SEALs training with them. And this was the thing. She put the pen in my hands. She goes, Sean, how would you sell me this pen? And I was like... I was stunned. I was like, I didn't know what to do. I was like, Jesus, I don't, I don't know. I don't even know where to start. So she started to teach me. It was one of my first lessons in sales was to sell me this pen thing. And then I see it on the Wolf of Wall Street. And I was like, oh my God. Wow. Of course, the answer they give in the Wolf of Wall Street is not how you would sell a pen. You know, the write your name kind of thing. That's a false name. You would never do that if you were selling a pen. And anyway, but like that was the kind of, the kind of stuff I, 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 uh, I grew up with in that environment where that was just, in fact, I didn't see sales as any kind of skill. I thought like yeah, that was just something that you did. It was mm. just, it was so blasé. It was just like, you, you're supposed to know that. Like that's just how you get by. You know what I mean? Uh, so I didn't actually think I had any kind of special skill or anything like that. Or I had, and I, I, everybody around me was fucking incredible at sales. You know, there was people who, who worked for me and one of my sales managers was the most fucking incredible sales manager you'd ever seen in your life. You know, so that was the norm. Um, but yeah, I, I was a fat kid. I, I was the fat kid in the family. Um, I'm the last of seven. Uh, so I had a lot of people before me who were doing great things. And I was all the time trying to catch up. I was all the time playing catch up. But yeah, I, I did have a kind of want to be good at sales and yes, wanting to communicate and shit again. But until until the age of about 15, I was into Metallica and playing the guitar and Nirvana and shit and uh, comfort eating quite a lot. And that led me to get to the point where I was like 12 stone at 15 years of age. And um, I'm 15. And I, I remember actually with my long hair and Metallica t-shirt and stuff on, going out shopping with my mum for clothes. And the dude who was like, you know, the retail, retail guy on the floor of the day, hmm. pat me on the shoulder and says in front of my mum, you buying clothes for your wee daughter? And I was like, oh, oh, oh. that's when you should have to change the mantis because like I had a set of, Hits, you could have milked the cat with me and this long hair and shit and it was just like I, I need to I need to change some stuff 
And it was that day I started to actually, I, I, I took it upon myself to say like, right, it's, it, this is down to me. It's me eating the food. Like I can't blame it on anything else. I have to take responsibility for what I was doing. And I started to get into fitness. And all I knew how to do was press-ups and sit-ups. And my brother came into my room and see me doing that. And he was like, what the fuck are you doing? And when he explained to me, he was like, right, so you want to start training? And my brother was a professional racing driver and still is this day. Hmm. He was he says, like, he took me on his way and says, come on, I'm going to take you to the gym. And he showed me how to train. And then I just pursued that with the, the most discipline I possibly could. And it wasn't until two years later, 17 years old, that I actually was a different dude because, like I said, fitness impacts you in many different ways. We use fitness, but fitness has the ability to impact all other areas of our life. It cascades out into your energy, your focus, your well-being, your mentality, your career. You know this, right? Everybody that does fitness does it. Um, that's what I seen first. It took ages, and I knew that I was doing something, and I was going to have to continue consistently to do something that I wouldn't see the results of for a long time. And I did, but at the age of 17, I totally changed things around, even got a fucking haircut. And that was all down to fitness, you know, which was, it was quite transformative. And anybody that's, that has been along that journey doesn't need that described to them. Mm. But anybody that hasn't been along that journey, I don't think any explanation is kind of possible. You just kind of have to buy the ticket and take a ride. Yeah. So yeah. I did. And was it not for fitness? I don't think I would ever take in the sales job in in the garage that time, in the, in the car sales job, because I just wouldn't have had the, the outward sort of outgoing kind of belief that fitness gave me. So I, I attribute like an awful lot, a, a, an awful lot of, you know, success to that, that keystone habit of keeping up fitness and shit, you know? Yeah. So that's what it was like as a kid up to the age of 15. I was kind of fat. <laughs> then uh, changed things around 17. Um, and, and from the age of like nine, I was always working in, in the garage. I was a car washer. You know, most kids had summer holidays. Nope, I went to work the entire fucking, I got paid a pound an hour. So I did a 40-hour week. I got 40 quid a week. Very hardworking ethic built into me. You know, my dad was the dude who built the business. You would never have asked that man for a fucking holiday. I mean, he worked seven days a week. Wouldn't take a bank holiday off because he said he wasn't a bank. You know, he was just that kind of a dude, you know. You got fucking nothing handed to you. <laughs> And, and fair play for not doing that because you know you could you could go the very the other way very very quick. Yeah. So that's that's dude. I was grew up in Belfast, which was a crazy old joint. You know, don't get me started on the troubles. Shit. We did <laughs> other podcast on that. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that's a pretty good description. Yeah, I absolutely love that story, and I love the way you know you had adversity, and that's what kind of led you to fitness. And when you were just speaking there, like what you said about fitness is so true. Like for me, I think the biggest priority in my life is my own health, and that means fitness, that means good nutrition, that means you know looking after my mental health, my physical health, my emotional health, all these things. Because without these things, you can't function optimally as a human being. So I think those things should always be number one. And then when, as you were speaking there, you kind of remind me of the David Goggins story because he was kind of in a similar situation. He just got obsessed with working out when he saw the Navy SEALs and training. And then, yeah, he, he became pretty much a superhuman. And then when it comes to sales, I think Jordan Belfort and Grant Cardone are kind of the, like the two biggest names in sales when I think of. And you really remind me of them. So I'm just curious to know, like, um, what kind of influences did you have on your life? Did anyone really influence you in terms, you know, your sales, your sales ability, um, how you conduct sales and so on? Did, did you have any major influences on your life? 100%. Well, look, the, the first influences, you know, were obviously the people in the circle. So 
I'm 17 years old. I'm standing in a car showroom. I'm mm. in a suit. I'm having a fucking clue how to do this gig. And I've only two people to look up to, my brothers. So my two brothers, Nigel and Philip, were the guys who mentored me for the first half of my life. To give you an idea, I'm 17 years old. It's June. It's Yeah, it's June. Um, and June, July, August, September, they showed me over those four months how to sell cars and make money to the point where at 18, I was 18 in August, mm-hmm. I bought my first house at age 18. So like it, it, just in that period of time, they turned me into a fucking animal. So like th- those guys had a massive influence on my life, my two brothers. Like without them, I would never have got to where I am today. Like there's a hundred percent, they were the biggest influences. Wow. Those were millionaires in their own right. So they knew how to sell. Now, the other thing is like when you're with, these manufacturers, you think of car dealers and car, car salesmen that, that have manufacturers behind them, like Honda. We had Honda, we had Kia, we had Seat. You know, you're talking huge, huge, these guys. Hmm. And the sales that we did every single quarter were with the best sales minds that they had on earth. I mean, we were put in front of them every quarter to get sales trained. So it's been a massive factor and it's been a massive thing that's been ongoing in my life is getting trained from these people. And so, and my dad, the people in my family were the, the first people who, who uh, gave me any mentor. Like, and like I said, 17 years old, and the first book that was put in my hand was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It was like, read that. You need a financial education. Read that book. Read the book. And I was like, fucking hell, blown away. And then what happens four months later? I'm on the, I'm on the property market. I'm buying houses. So I went to university, bought a house, and rented it out to the students who, who were living with me. And then sold out when I came back from university, bought a house in, in Belfast and continued on. You know, so all of it was like to move through the Kiyosaki cash flow quadrant, as you may understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got it. you're well read, the man, that's good shit. <laughs> so that was my whole thing. It was like, let's move through this fucking cash flow quadrant. I, get, I want to get the eye. I want to be an investor. Like, that's where I want to be. So those guys, um, Daphne in the beginning, then... Uh, yeah, later on, definitely people like, uh, I love Jordan Belfort shit, but I've always loved Zig Ziglar, Brian Tracy. Yeah. They were the original, the original dudes. Mm-hmm. Like, um, love their shit. Um, I, I mean, you can't, you can't knock Zig Ziglar. He, I, I think a lot of the training that you see today is probably some uh, influence from Zig or Brian Tracy or those guys. It definitely yeah. does have it. Jordan Belfort, yeah, I went and spent three days with him in London. Loved his stuff, loved his stuff. Absolutely. And do you know what? When you're going back to the stuff that was uh, my sister was teaching me when I was nine years old, the sports farmer stuff, very big similarities. Um, and then I found out that actually uh, the trainers that were around it that day were the same for the sports pharma and the, the big pharma, pharmaceutical companies and the big financial companies were trained by the same sales trainers and stuff. So again, like there's, there's always this core where the information's coming from. And then it's, it's, you know, it's divulged in many different ways. Um, never really looked at Grant Cardone stuff, but I, I like um, Oren Claff. You mm-hmm. read Oren Claff? No, never heard of him, no. <laughs> okay, well, you want to look up some Oren Claff stuff. So he's got uh, uh, Pitch Anything Okay, is his book. And then his new one is Flip the Script. So two very, very good sales books. So you're talking about a real high-powered investment banking type dude, you know, uh-huh. who closes 100, 100 million deals, stuff like that, you know. Um so yeah, really, really nice concept. He's, he's an intelligent guy, and it's backed by neuroscience and stuff like that. So yeah, th- those would be influences in my life in terms of sales. Can't really think of anybody else right now, but yeah, all those guys are good. Yeah. If you're talking fitness sales now, fitness sales, I really like Pat Rigsby. 
especially if you're running a gym and stuff, very intelligent stuff. Of course, Thomas Plummer's good. Um, th- those dudes would be the, the biggest influence. Russell Brunson's been a mentor of mine. You know, he's cracking. Garrett White, hold on. Fuck, I forgot about Garrett. Garrett J. White. Holy shit. I watched him sell four and a half million from stage in 90 minutes. Four and a half million, the guy closed from stage. Wow. What a fantastic, like uh, in terms of being able to deliver and a pitch and storytell, fuck, he's on a level of unique. Like if no one has looked up Garrett White and remember, like he's talking very, very specifically to his avatar. He knows his avatar so in depth. If they steal a, lo- steal a loaf of bread at the same time, two days in a row, he will fucking know they did it. That's how well he knows his avatar. Yeah. And it, it, so when you're watching his stuff, just because he only speaks to married businessmen, and I'm talking high part married, married businessmen who make a lot of money, you know, so they need to be handled in a certain way. And the only man to handle them is Garrett White. I think he's fantastic. Um, Tony Robbins, I know a lot of people like him and all, but eh, he's all right. I just, uh, I like the people I like. And I think I've mentioned all of them now at this stage. Mm. That's, that's, I'd say that's, that's who's influenced me. What about you? Yeah, so when you when you were talking about Brian Tracy and Zig Ziglar, these were actually the, like I was really into this stuff when I was like fifteen years of age. I used to like go for a walk and just listen to Brian Tracy talking to Zig Ziglar on YouTube. And I think the mm-hmm. first book I read, well, one of the first books I read was from Brian Tracy, and I literally just read the book. I took notes on. I have a huge hardback of all the notes I took on Brian Tracy, and I guess yeah, like those guys are just incredible. And then Jim Rohn. Jim Rohn is also incredible. Yeah. Les Brown, motivational speaker. But yeah, those guys, Zig, uh, Brian Tracy, 100%. And was I, the book Eat That Frog? No, I've read that one too, but that wasn't the book. I think it was like, um, I can't remember what the book was. He, he He's written many books. Um, I can't remember mm-hmm. the name now because this is a long time ago. But um, yeah, it was, a, it was a book that I really got into. And I was like, wow, this is huge. You know, I'm so happy I got exposed to this stuff at this age. And then the other question I had for you. So let's just say, okay, you've been in sales for <laughs> most of your life. Um, uh, what kind of what what are the three biggest takeaways that you took from sales? Like, what did you learn from sales? Um, that you know, yeah, that just really applied to your own life. Well, the first thing I, I'd want to address before we talk anything about sales mm-hmm. is what I'm not. Okay, so when people have this idea of a salesperson in their head, right? They think Danny DeVito out of Matilda. Mm. They, especially when you talk about car sales guys, right? It's like manipulative, sleazy, and, and sales is wrong, and they're all terrible people. And I understand. I get that. I know why people can think that because of the images that they're portrayed, like in the movie Matilda and stuff like that. There. And I don't want anyone to think, you know, that that's kind of where I'm coming from, where I would do anything to get a deal and you should too. And it's all about the money. And it's, yeah, you know, don't hang up till he dies or buys and ABC always be closing. You know, it's funny. It's it's funny to watch that and laugh at it and all, but that's not what I'm talking about when I'm talking about being a salesperson. Sales is not really about, you know, getting somebody in a persuasion headlock or turning those into yeses. I'm making people buy things that they shouldn't be buying or more things that they don't need. I'm not talking about that. Those are sleazy salespeople. So I'm not talking about that. I I don't care for that. What I want to do is make the right sales. Now, I used to believe a a saying from Alan Sugar, and he says, there's no problem in business that more sales won't solve. 
And I used to believe that in car sales. When you could sell a car and wave bye-bye and the guy goes out the door and you never, you may, may never see him again. I mean, you could say, well, fuck him. You know, he bought the car. It's great. Mm. I, I, will, I will have to admit, in the past, I may have been guilty of doing one or two sales. I got, but I can guarantee you that every single one of them come back to bite me in the ass. And that's what I learned. They're, that, that little phrase from Alan Sugar is fucking wrong. What it should be changed to is there is no problem in business that more of the right sales won't solve. That means you should know the kind of person that you should be doing business with and the kind of person you definitely should not be doing business with. And you must be willing to say to somebody, do you know what I mean? I don't think this is for you. You have to be willing to say no because, look, sales isn't about getting the deal, putting the money in the bank. It's not. Sales is the result. It's the outcome. So when I think about selling somebody fitness, number one, I believe in what I do 100%. I believe in my product 100%. I sell it to my mom. So the core value in my company is do the right thing. That's core value number one. Do the right thing. Is the right thing to sell this person this product and just get his money? If the answer is no, it's like, don't fucking sell him the thing. Don't be driven by the target on the wall. I used to be driven by targets. It was like target, actual, target and actual, target and actual every quarter. And you seven and a half million to meet a quarter. You can guarantee if there was, if, if I even thought I heard a hint of the, the ability that this man would say yes, I was going to get that fucking yes. And everybody in my company was the same. I'm not saying that was the right thing. What I'm saying is I've learned from that. So I've learned from sales that like, Number one, you should never just sell people to hit a target. You need to meet the right sales. And therefore, you need to know who you should be doing business with and who you should not be doing business with. And this needs to be guided by the principles and the core values of your company. And my core principle, number one, is do the right thing. That includes telling somebody, no, this is not for you. Hmm. So really, when I'm, when I'm talking about sales, do not misconstrue my enthusiasm as kind of like I want to manipulate people and get a deal. It's not. I'm enthusiastic about getting people to do things and make decisions they should be making. I believe in my product 100%. If I know what's the right thing for you and you're the kind of guy that I feel we can work together with really, really well, I will definitely extend an opportunity for you to get started because I know I'm doing the right thing. So really, I, I want people to make sure that they aren't, sort of going like, Sean would do anything to get a date. No, no, I wouldn't. I would do anything to give you and empower you with what you need in order for you to be the best salesperson you can be, i.e. remove any block or barrier for you to be able to do the business you should be doing. Yes, that's what I'll do. But I will not get you to fucking turn those into yeses. I will not get you to manipulate people. I'm not here talking about just fucking money. It's all about the dollar bills and all. I'm not. That's not fucking me. So that's the first thing I want to convey because I know a lot of people could be even thinking that just because the way I, I, I can talk quite direct mm. and sometimes I come across like that but really what when I think about selling fitness what I think about is the text messages that I get from clients who are like dude see what you've done for me it can't be put into words like I walked into the gym and I couldn't even fucking look people in the eye and here I am in the best shape of my life but what it's done for me is this and this and this and this and this and when you get the text from a mother who's like I am the woman that I feel proud of my daughter looking up to me as the hero that I know that I have become for her. Look, you know, those che- that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, she, I know this is going to sound really fucking, uh, changing somebody's life. Like, this is what we're doing. We're using fitness as the tool to impact people's lives in a positive way. So that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about sales now. 
and, and I just wanted to cover that first. And and the lesson behind that is be willing to say no. You've got to be. And you've got to know when to say no, when to say yes. And realize this, anytime you say no to the wrong kind of client, someone you know you could not work well with, and you know they were, you know, you know you should say no. Sometimes it, it might be it might be fucking you know, really tempting to go, fuck it, just take his money. Yeah, I know he's going to be an ass. Fuck it, just take his money. Don't let yourself fall into that trap. You're going to pay for it. You're going to pay for it later. So be willing to say no. Know who you should be saying no to. And when you say no, realize that it opens up the, the door for someone else who you should be doing business with for you to say yes. All right? Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And how how important are sales um, when it comes to like fitness? Like, um, so as a personal trainer, um, why is sales important? Why should you, you know, like, yeah, I guess, um, I don't know where I'm going with that question, but yeah, why are sales important to a personal trainer? Well, like, like I say, if you have the knowledge, the tools, the skills, and the ability that you know if you share with someone else that will make them grow in terms of their fitness journey. And mm. it's going to have all those positive effects in all these other areas of your life. You have a fucking social responsibility to share that information. I mean, like, Demantis, you, you know about fitness, yes? Mm. If you share the information you know about nutrition and about health and about training with someone else, could that affect, affect their mentality? Could it improve their their clarity, their focus, their, Absolutely. their charisma, their confidence? It, it would. Mm. And if you improve their confidence, their charisma, the way they carry themselves, and the, the way they think, they're thinking clear, more productive, more focused, could that actually change their energy? Was Is their energy going to be increased? 100%. Are they going to feel better in themselves? Mm. And in doing so, are they going to turn up as the best person in their relationships at home with the people that they love, their kids, their wife, their, their husband? Are they going to be the best version of themselves in all of these situations? Mm. Well, do you not think that you have a social responsibility to give them that fucking information? Yeah, sure is. Yeah, that's but you cool can't give them it for free. You cannot give them that for free mm. because if you give them, if people do not pay, they do not pay attention. Mm. So this is why there must be a transactional value placed in that information. So yeah. all that the money is is saying it's not just money that goes to you, Demantis. If you're going to be my trainer, do you know what, Demantis? See this two hundred and fifty quid or the six hundred quid that I'm going to pay this month for you. I'm putting this money down on me. I'm saying I am worth this investment. And I'm going to give that to you on the understanding that this is what I need to put into the relationship and this is what you're going to give me back in return. Mm. Yeah. So I'm putting that money down to say I'm serious about this. This is a priority to me. And that money actually must be a little bit where you're going, fuck, that would hurt. It needs to be there. It needs to be correct. It needs to be enough that the person's like, this is a good chunk of money. And yes, otherwise, well, they're not going to use the information anyway. This yeah. fact, and this is pretty much, how many times have you downloaded an ebook, right? That seemed like the fucking solution to all your problems for free and then never opened it? Tons of times, yeah. And like any personal trainer will, you know, this will resonate with them. You've been at a party, you know, and then, you know, your auntie or your uncle or one of your cousins. Oh, you're doing it. Oh, you're a PT now. Oh, fuck. That's, do you know what? I wanted to ask you your advice on nutrition. What What should I do with it? And then you start going and you think you're helping. You're like, actually, do you know what I'll do? I'm going to, I'll read you, I'll read you out your macros or I'll do this. And you go to all this fucking trouble and then you send it to them and then you see them at the next party and they're fatter. And you're like, what? 
what the fuck, Mary? There's Didn't no commitment. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So there needs to be that transactional value which says, I'm serious. So mm. knowing these two concepts, knowing that, you know, we have a social responsibility to share the information that we have so that other people can grow and they can enjoy their fitness journey and they can get all of these cascading positive effects of training. They must put some skin in the game. Mm. The end. So this is why we must do what we must do. <laughs> and that's how important SEALs is in understanding what SEALs actually is. Now, how, how important is SEALs? Well, SEALs is the light bulb of your business. If, you, if you're not making SEALs, then, you know, how are you actually going to give your service, your product, your offering, or your experience to anyone? The way I see it, there's only three things you need to know about business. Marketing. And the job of marketing is to turn visitors to your content into leads, i.e. someone shows up, continues to go to your website, and then there's something where at some point in time they say, you know what, I'm going to download that a bit, or yeah, I'm going to give them my information. I want, I, I want to get a wee bit more from this dude. And then you will get name and email and phone number. Only then can you actually get them on the phone and sell them. And your ability to turn leads into cash, that's what sales is. But only once you've done that job can you actually give them fulfillment. So it's marketing, sales, fulfillment. Fulfillment is where you give somebody your product, your service, your offering, or your experience. But listen, if you don't know how to do these two, you're not going to have any clients. That's how important it is to know marketing and sales. And like I've said, I, I, I've known trainers who read more books than me, been in more seminars, you know, could have wrote 12-week wave-loading, undulating programs till the fucking cows come home, right? But did no clients... And the reason was because they didn't know how to market and sell themselves. So there's no good in being the best personal trainer on earth if you cannot market and sell. Because if you've only one of the three pillars that you need to succeed in business, you're going to stack shelves in Tesco six months from now. Believe mm. me, I've seen it happen. I've seen it for a decade. You know, I remember one dude who was so good at, at like everything except marketing and sales and became an employee for me because he simply could not survive in the marketplace. That's a shame. You know, that makes me sad. And it's, again, why I do what I do. And I, I think it really does come down to the point where somebody realizes, like, shit, this is this, this is the skill. If I was to rate myself marketing, sales, and fulfillment, how good am I? Zero to three in fulfillment. Zero, I've no fucking clue what I'm doing. One, I kind of have a thing. Two, I've got everything systemized. Three, I'm fucking performing. I'm, you know, out the wazoo. I'm awesome. You read yourself into the other two pillars. Find the one that you're lowest in and say, right, I'm going to double down on that skill and I'm going to learn this shit. I guarantee if you focus on just learning marketing, learning sales and being a better coach, you, the result you're going to see is exponential. That's the only three things you need to focus on. Nothing else. Anything else is fucking noise. Right. Okay, so now we have we we understand that the pillars of business are marketing, sales, fulfillment. Okay, a podcast listener is listening to this. They're like, "Yes, I want to I want to get on that. I want to learn about these things." Where should people go? Where should people start? How? What resources should should you look into? And um, how do you know if you're actually good at sales? How do you know if you're actually good at marketing? So I'm just curious to know, um, for somebody who has no knowledge of these subjects whatsoever, um, where should you go? Where should you begin to you know? build that foundation because like you said i think that's why you said most personal trainers fail is because they don't have the mm -hmm. fundamentals so how exactly. do you learn these fundamentals and um, where's a good place to start okay well you must start at fulfillment mm -hmm. so that's the first one 
So uh, why do we start with fulfillment? Like I said, uh, one of my 10 rules of sales is never sell anything you don't believe in 100%. Mm-hmm. So there's no point in marketing and selling something if what you've got is a piece of shit, mm-hmm. right? That's disgusting because, you know, you can you cannot polish a turd, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Even if you roll it in glitter and stick it in a nice box, it's still a turd at the end of the day. So let's start there before we spend money on marketing and sales and say, imagine them as, imagine this, imagine this, imagine them as all as buckets with sort of holes in them. Mm-hmm. So if you've got holes in your marketing bucket, well, there's no fucking point. But they're all going to end up in the fulfillment bucket. So we must seal all the holes here first. So you read yourself in fulfillment and say, as a coach, how good am I at delivery? How good am I with the relationships? How am I good at like actual coaching, behavioral change stuff? Mm-hmm. How good am I at creating a community? How good am I at creating an experience that people continue to come back for? A simple way is like, how many referrals are you getting? If the answer is none, you're not doing a great job. You get upscale. Another thing is like, how many people stay? Are you losing clients every month or are you building clients? That's a pretty good indicator. Simple one. It's easy. Everyone can ask themselves that question. It's like, how many people am I getting referred in a month? Hmm. If the answer is zero, you could be doing a better job. How many people am I losing in a month? If it's over five, you could be doing a better job. And then look at the results people are getting. Ask people for testimonials. You could actually ask your clients, tell me, of all the personal trainers in the world or coaches in the world, you come to me, why is that? And listen to what they come back with and ask them, is there any feedback? I mean, do you feel me and you in this relationship, could I be doing any better? Tell me, how can I serve you better? And listen, fucking listen to what they say. Because they're, they're direct experience in your product and the feedback that you're going to be getting, you've got to be able to put your big boy pants on Okay, put your big boy pants on because that you could hear some shit that you're not ready to hear and just take it on the chin and say, right, it could be it could be hard to hear sometimes. But the thing is, it's very important because now you say, well, what am I going to do about it? Well, you have the possibility to change that. Thank them for your feedback. Tell them you're going to do everything in your part of me better. When that's fixed, and if you want resources, go and read Don John. <laughs> like if you're coaching the average client, and when I say average client, look, I'm a 40-year-old dude with a wife, three kids, you know, running three businesses. I've got a lot of shit going on. I'm your average dude, right? Spend a lot of time on the desk. I've got a few e-niggles and injuries. What's going to make you coach that guy better? It's not going to be fucking level two strength and conditioning, Olympic weightlifting, fucking bollocksology. It's not. So remember... Stop doing courses that are not going to actually affect the individuals on the other end of your coaching. This is a big mistake personal trainers are making today. They're trying to fucking do the kettlebellology 5000 and the weightlifting and this, you know, all the crossfit types of stuff. And then, like, who do you train? And you're like, uh, women in the ages of 40 for fat loss. It's like, and what are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that course that you just spent money on? How is it going to change your coaching? Oh, yeah, I can't really change my coaching. Well, that was kind of pointless. You you need to ask, like, who am I training? Like, that for that demographic, how do I get better at serving that market? And what skills do I need in order to serve them better? Instead of, you know, doing courses that would impress the personal trainer down the road, mm-hmm. which is what a lot of people fall into the trap of. And, and instead of writing, like, what they want to do is they want to write the most complex exercise down a page and go, woo! It's like, Jesus, really? Does we Mary, who's 40, you know, with a bad back and a fucking dodgy hip and all, does she really need to be doing a snatch with a 15 kilo? But like, really? Is that actually producing a result for her? You, you begin to ask yourself different questions and then 
sometimes you can back down and like, fuck, no, this isn't helping me. What's with this? Isn't doing anything for me. So I would say start there and fix whatever needs fixed. And if you don't know, reach out and fucking ask me. Like if, if somebody reached out, uh, reached out to me and asked me for help in any of these areas, mm-hmm. I, I just help, I help any way I can. You know, so ask someone that you trust and you know is going to give you good advice. Mm. Now, when that's done, the next thing you need to do is go into sales and look at your sales and say, well, it's quite simple. If you're a personal trainer, you should be looking at three metrics. These are the, these are the three simplest metrics. I love bringing things down to three, Demantis. I, I feel if you can't describe what you're doing in three words or less. Keep it simple, shit. yeah, 100%. Exactly. So really, in, in personal training, we want to get people on the phone. Mm-hmm. So we should be using marketing to get name and email and then moving from email to the phone. And when we get them on the phone, we should be chasing these metrics. How many people did I set, show, close? What does that mean? Well, when I get somebody on the phone, it's like, Demantis, mate, thank you very much for booking this call with me here today. I'm glad I could fit you in. Now, listen, what we want to do is this. Find out what you're struggling with. See if what I've got is a really good thing for us to be working on together. And if everything sounds good, I'm going to invite you down into the business where we'll get a walk through all the ins and outs of the program. And if all sounds good, we'll get you going. Sound fair enough, man? Mm-hmm. Daily. And then I talk about your problem, what the possible solutions could be, and we dig out the ins and outs of everything you're struggling with. And if all sounds good, I'm going to invite you down to sit with me face to face and go through the entire thing in the gym. We will put you through a movement assessment, except and see the exact program we've been working on together. Does that sound fair enough? Sounds amazing. Awesome, man. So look, here's what I've got. I've got Tuesday and I've got Thursday. Which two times going to get you in? That's set. Mm. I've set an appointment. I've made a phone call and I've set the mantis in an appointment. In the appointment, I want to see how many people actually show up. So that's show. So if I've set five appointments this week, of which Demantis is one, and Demantis shows up, I go, Demantis showed up, tick, and he set an appointment, so set and show. And if I close you, I closed you. Right? Hmm. Those are the three factors. The only three matches you need to know. Here's why. If I make 10 calls and I get five people on the phone, I should be making at least three appointments. Otherwise, I'm doing something wrong on the phone. You can see where it's broken, hmm. right? If I get three people to show up, but I don't close anyway, well, it's something I'm doing in a face-to-face meeting. Hmm. Right? I should be getting 100% of the show-ups closed. So now we've got a system of selling, a very simple system that anyone can do without any other training other than what I've given this podcast. Get them on the phone from everyone you have a conversation with. Know how many appointments you set from that phone call. From the appointments you set, how many show up. And the people who show up, let me tell you this. If you get off your seat from that lovely looking room where you have with all those books in that library and it's very comfortable, it's just warm and it's nice. And cut. If you move from there into my fucking gym, you are signing up, my friend. Like I would have to beat you around the face with a wide Atlantic salmon or some shit to get you to say no. Like I'm doing something seriously wrong, right? But now I know, is it the phone that I'm feeling? Is it face-to-face that I'm feeling? Or what's happening? And now we know where we can fix the problems that you're having because it's going to show where the problem is in your sales process. Yeah. That's sales. So, like, maybe if you read yourself, you could have said, fuck, I don't have a system. Zero. Well, now you do. Take Sean Dog's system. Take my system. There it is. Set, show, close. Start getting people on the phone. And then you're going to go, well, how the fuck do you get people on the phone? Ah, well, now we need to go to marketing, right? But at least you now have a sales system. And you have some metrics to chase, which will show you or indicate where the problem is that you're having in your business. And if you're having any of those problems, 
give me a shout and say, Sean, I can't fucking close people on the phone. I can't close them any appointment. I'll tell you what to do. All right? And then it's marketing. It's like, okay, well, there, there's a couple of things you need to do in your marketing. And marketing's function could be argued, depending on who you go to, but some people feel you should be building a brand of marketing. Those people, you know, I think are going to be going broke very soon. It's the fucking stupidest thing I have ever heard people talk about. Build your brand. Build your brand. It's like, what a wasteless point of time. Never in my, you know, how many years doing fitness now? 12 years, or 30, I don't know, a lot of years doing fitness. I Have I ever, ever attempted to build a brand? Never. My marketing plan is this. And again, this is where I can come across as very direct. And it sounds like I don't give a shit about people. No, this is this is a priority of my market. This is a measurement of my marketing, whether it's working or whether it's not. Not an indication of how my moral standing is. My marketing is this: sell something now, not build a brand. Do you know who builds brands? Nike. Nike build brands, and they spend hundreds of millions a year doing. They have deep, deep empty pockets. If you're an entrepreneur or if you're a personal trainer and you're starting off and you don't have a lot of money to actually spend on your marketing, then what you want to know is that your marketing is producing a very definite result. And the result that I want is I want a lead. I want their name, their email, and their phone number. That's it. That should be the function of your marketing. Because what happens when I get the name and the email and the phone number? We're on the phone. And we're selling the appointment. And the appointment sells the stuff. Do you get me? So this is what I need people to understand from marketing. You want to use direct response marketing in your business. Direct response marketing, if you want to learn more about it, go and read anything by Dan Kennedy. So we talked about Zig Ziglar and we talked about Brian Tracy, who were like the fathers of SEALs back in the day. If you want to talk about the guy who is the father of modern day marketing that we do today, it's Dan Kennedy. Mm-hmm. The first book I would recommend you go read so that you would understand a wee bit more about the concepts that I'm talking about now would be the non-direct market. Sorry, the book is called Direct Marketing for Non-Direct Marketing Businesses by Dan Kennedy, right? And it'll it'll explain to you the 10 rules that your marketing should uh, all adhere to so that you start learning how to incorporate that style into your business. And really what it does is it's built of a, a couple of foundations. But really, number one is communicate a message. There's a message, market, and there's media. That's the only three things that you need to worry about when there's market. I told you like three, didn't I? Mm. So like when you're look, when you're talking about marketing, you've got like who are you trying to talk to? Who's your target market? Mm-hmm. So question one, who the hell is your target market? Who the hell are they? Are they people like you demand this, right? Well, you know, in your age bracket, or are they people like me? Because those are gonna be very different people with very different problems, very different lifestyles. And you can understand that the kind of things that are interesting to us and things that we're struggling with are going to be very different, right? Hmm. So now that we understand the market, we can go, well, okay, well, this, the guy I want is like a 40, let's just take me for instance. Well, imagine this. I'm a 40-year-old dude. I've got three businesses I'm running, right? Yeah. So I'm, a, I'm working quite long. You know, I could be in the office for a good while. I could be coaching and running a bit. Then I'm coming home and there's kids at home, but I want to fit fitness in to my right. day. Yeah. You can see that there's a lot of shit that I'm dealing with there, right? Well, yeah, well, just priorities, really. You have to, like, prioritize fitness in that situation. Yeah, whereas, like, what age would do to you? Sorry? What age are you? 23. Right, you're 23. Do you have any kids? No. Uh, Mrs.? No. 
So, like, if you want to fit fitness into your day, like, I mean, is it as easy as, like, Demantis just decides when he's going to train and that's it? Yes, very easy. Right. So, you see, the problem that I have is not the problem that you experience because you just don't have that problem. Hmm. So, you see that now that we understand the market, we can understand that a dude like me who wants personal training probably needs personal training if hmm. I'm just an average guy, not showing it. But someone like me who doesn't know how to train, doesn't know how to eat, has all of these fucking issues in their life, and, like, then you're going, like, Dude, what's your fucking problem? You just need to eat chicken and broccoli and fucking get to the gym for three hours. I'm like, what? How the fuck does he do that? Hmm. So you see, now that I understand the market, I understand the problems, the frustrations, the agitations, the pains. And I understand what the guy wants. I understand his his aspirations, his goals, his wishes, his dreams. And I can see how I should construct the kind of message that would call that guy out, that would call out the problem that he's experiencing. It would agitate that problem and then show him the solution. So now we went from market, understanding the market, asking the questions, what does he struggle with? What's the things that's going on in his life? What's he experiencing? What does he see? What does he feel? What does he really want to happen? Now we can construct that and the message that we can put out in the marketplace, which will call this guy out and say, dude, let me tell you, I understand what it's like for you. You've got a missus at home. You can fucking run three businesses. You want to fit business, fitness into your life. But the thing is, you don't have three hours to fucking food around in the gym. And you can't just eat chicken and broccoli all day because, I mean, the boss is kicking your ass in. You go home and the wife's breaking your balls. I mean, you need something that works in this. Da, 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 da. See the way you can construct the message that would actually resonate with that guy? And this dude would be like, fuck, that guy. No. Holy shit. Now we went from message to market. The last piece of the puzzle is, well, where is this person? Where is this 40-year-old dude? Where does he spend a lot of time? Is it on, like, I know people will say, oh, he'd be on Facebook. Is it really? Does he spend a lot of time on Facebook? I don't know. And now we're, we're asking ourselves questions about if I'm trying to attract this guy, what's the kind of problems and things that he wants and how can I talk to him and show my understanding his position, but I can also help him. Mm. And then how do I put that in the place where most people like him are going to see it? So really when we're talking about market, we're talking about problem, possibility, path, and then pitch. Talk about the problem, talk about the possibility, talk about the path you've got and then pitch and what's next. Dude, if you go over here, I'll show you the fucking guy to lifting weights over 40 without spending three hours in the gym or eat chicken and broccoli. Hmm. It's here. Go and download it. Hmm. Download it. Just give me your email address. And then I email you every day. And what I do, I sell you the solution. And the solution is to get the phone to me. And the phone, we sell a consult. Da, 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 da. Yeah, I get you. And let's say there's somebody who wants to become a personal trainer. Somebody wants to open up their own personal training business, but they have no no idea where to start. Um, they're just out of college, maybe, and they have no idea what to do. Uh, what advice would you give to someone who wants to start their own uh, personal training business? Well, the first question I'd have would be, well, why? Well, that depends on the person. I can't answer that question, but let's just... Okay, <laughs> that's the first question you ask. Okay, I get you. Yeah, so they must... You have to have like, a why. Yes. Like, you know, you're talking about the... This this thing is called the Passion Podcast, right? Mm-hmm. So the thing is, you, you've you got to understand that although I've talked about money and all this thing, and you would say you've achieved some success, you've got to understand that that was never the goal for me. Hmm. I was never doing any of that to make money. I was doing that because... I have a purpose and I have an ability and my purpose and my ability aligned. And this is where I feel most fulfilled every fucking day doing what I'm doing. You know, yes, fitness is a way where I can feel fulfilled when I see the result of the information that I have and I give it to someone and I see that I go like, fuck, I've got this. 
you've taught me a fucking awesome way to bench and it feels great and I'm fucking, you know, I'm getting a better bench now or I'm squatting now with no pain. I love that. I love seeing that result. It just so happens that the side effect is all this other stuff. So I would make sure that someone's getting into fitness for the right reasons. They're not getting in it for like, I want to run a business for myself. It's like, maybe you should, maybe you shouldn't. I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. And what I am great at is not telling you, this is what you should do. Because everyone's, like you said, everyone's different. Hmm. I'm a great facilitator. I'm hmm. a fantastic facilitator. So I would sit down with that person like I do for, with everyone who comes to Elite. I sit down and go, well, wh- why? Why fitness? Like, why not hairdressing? Why not fucking beauty? Like, what is it about fitness that you think, like, why is fitness your gig? Because I've got to see that they have some, you know, inner drive towards this being a way that they fulfill or, or find fulfillment doing right. rather than I want to be in a fitness business. Cause like, you know, fucking Instagram and shit and money and all, <laughs> which you get a lot of that. Yeah. You get a lot of dudes just wake up. They just woke up in their bed, farted, scratched their balls. And went, I think I could be a personal trainer because you know, it's dead easy. And like, you know, you can get on Instagram and get a load of followers. Like I don't want them people near me. They make the shittest coaches. They ruin the industry because what happens is, they start to drop their prices. They undercut people around them. They water it down and they ruin it for everybody else trying to do the right thing. So the, the, the advice would be, one, realize that building a fitness business, I know, I'm like you've invited me on this podcast, you know, one thing we didn't speak about was like the years that I slept on the gym floor because I had nowhere else to go. Like literally I slept on the floor of the fucking gym, right? And a lot of people don't see the... The high the shit. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they don't, you know, they're probably listening to me now, you know, they'll look up at Elite and they'll see that it's a huge business. They'll look at the impact gym, uh, the gym and see it's huge. And, you know, they're like, whoa, fuck, I want that. It's like, do you want like six years of absolute struggle? Do you want like two years of not paying yourself? Do you want one year of sleeping on the floor? Do you want to miss the birth of your second son? Because you cannot leave the business that you're in. There were, Periods where I would be working over 70 hours, no shit, not trying to sound like fucking Gary Vaynerchuk here, no shit, I would be working over 70 hours just in delivery of the courses, because I was the only tutor, just in delivery of courses, and I would have to do that for two and a half months until I got a break, because the course was two and a half months long, Mm. and then I could go home for one night, and then I would be back down again. Mm. You know, people don't see that. You know, realize that people that you see who've reached some form of like, whoa, that's pretty admirable, have climbed through all the shit you could think of in order to get there, sometimes through broken glass and all sorts of bollocks in order to get there. And if you want to get there, don't get there because this is your ultimate goal. Get there because you find fulfillment and you love doing it every single fucking day. If you don't love what you do, you will never get successful. You Success only because... It's not like I'm going to get successful, then I'm going to be happy. Mm. No, no, no. If you're not happy doing what you're doing every single day, you will never be good at it. You will never get successful at it. You will fucking hate it. So, yes, there are some rewards depending on what you call a reward. Some people look at that as money. Some people look at that as like being famous. I have no fucking interest. And some people look at it, for me, it's like, the reward for me is like enjoying what I do every single day. Like being on this podcast for me, I fucking love this because hmm. this gives me the chance. I, I love talking to people like this here. Hmm. You know, I'm, I'm not so good on the end of a video if it's an Indian Instagram fucking thing and shit. I got there and wanted <laughs> to be an Instagram influencer. No, 
I'm not really an influencer. I affect people in a very personal way. And I do that in a face-to-face manner. So uh, like, that's what I'm into. Make sure you're getting into it for the right reasons. That's, that would be the best advice I can give to anybody. Don't get into it just because you see big fucking Dave down the gym and he's got a load of clients. You see him making money. I mean, like, you can make money at anything. Yeah, yeah. So make sure you're doing it for right reasons. That's it. Yeah, I think you. I sh- probably should have started with that question. Um, you know, what what are the challenges involved with it? Because I think you're absolutely right. Like, you know, a lot of the times we see people on Instagram doing well. You know, lots of followers, whatever, blah blah blah. But then they're like, oh, that's what I want to do. That, that's pretty cool. But do you actually want it? Do you actually, are you actually passionate about sleeping on the gym floor for years, um, not making money initially, working 70 hours a week? Because I think with everything, um, with all these things that we see, like there's always a challenge behind it. Like there's always some sort of um, difficulty that you have to overcome. And in order for you to get there, you kind of have to, you kind of have to overcome these challenges. And if you can't, then it's not for you. But I guess my yeah. question for you is, um, so what what makes you a personal trainer? What kind of things should you be interested in if personal training is that definitely for you? Um, how do you know if you're a personal trainer? Um, what are the kind of skills or the characteristics that someone should have in order to know? Like just, I guess it's a self-awareness game. Um, how do you know if you are born to be a personal trainer? So I guess that's my real question. Cool. Well, that's that's a very good way to put it there. And, you know, something, there's a book written by a guy called John Berardi mm-hmm. that if anyone is thinking about getting into the industry, uh, what have I done with If anybody's thinking about getting into the industry, they should read this book because it'll direct you in the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's called The Changemaker. And, in fact, he, he goes through that in the book. And it's like, look, if you're getting into this for the fame and the external validation, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. It, you, no, maybe you could do something else, but just coaching may not be for you. Hmm. But I suppose this is this is where people need to do that inner exploration and they need to ask themselves a few questions and tease out the answers. But what you're going to see is that like you come alive when you're sharing information with people or you're seeing them hit milestones and you're seeing them develop. Like I, you know, as I said, I, I used to be in sales, then I became sales manager where I was training people in sales, I was helping people. Say, and I love that more than me closing a sale myself. Hmm. You know, I, I actually loved seeing somebody find the confidence within themselves to go, I feel like I can do this. So, uh, I mean, like my why, if you want, or, or my mission statement is to get people to think different and realize what they get achieved when they're not afraid to feel. And that's what I'm trying to do, whether it's fitness, whether it's, you know, coaching, uh, making somebody move from just being a personal trainer to being a coach, whether it's actually coaching them in their business, coaching them in their life. It's like so many of us are afraid of the failure that we're not even going to give ourselves permission to try. And I love giving person, people that certainty and seeing that moment where they're like, I can fucking do this. And then they get the result. I mean, that for me, I get so ecstatically excited about that. I suppose when you're when you can share other people's successes and love being part of that journey, for me, that, that's just me, but that's how I knew, like, fuck, I should do this. So maybe you want to ask yourself, well, what is it about coaching? Why why do I want to be a coach? What is the payoff for you as an individual? Hmm. And explore it. And I suppose there is a bit of selflessness in that answer, not selfishness. It's like, I want to be a trainer because I want to have a thousand, five, fifty thousand followers and sell nine pound programs on Instagram. Hmm. 
Belinda's booty workout blueprint nine thousand or whatever. <laughs> Don't give a fuck. Like, it's just not my. It's just not what gives me any fulfillment. Maybe some people are fulfilled by that, but it's alien to me. I just don't see how like somebody transacting and sending you money and you go, "There's another big Belinda's booty but blueprint nine thousand sold there." Deadly. For me, it's that interaction. It's like I say, I affect people in a personal way. That's that's what I like doing, having that effect on someone. That's why I like doing face to face. That's why I like doing live events with people because you can see that moment where they're like, they're literally hanging on your words. You're like, "Whoa, I'm affecting that dude. He's getting it." There could be some people that aren't getting it. Look, you know, you can't force the result. But for me, I love seeing when you can see the penny drop and people are like, I've got this. And then watching what they're able to do from that point in time, watching how it changes, you know, the trajectory of them. Like literally, you know, in fitness, we've all, we've all had clients that we've had a massive impact on them, like the messages I told you. And in business, like I've had people come to me with, like they're saying like, this is like literally that like, I'm investing in you. And like, I can't actually pay my bills. I'm paying this much. And then you know, it goes from I'm going out of business to actually I've just transformed my entire business. It's the fucking best business in the whole area, you know, and they're going on another holiday and they're fucking their families sort of like, you can just see this journey and the, the complete turnaround that people can make whenever you either give them the knowledge that they were lacking or the balls they needed to take the action. So they're yeah. either knacking the lollies to take the action or they're lacking the testicular fortitude to take that action and being part of helping them and then seeing where they go. For me, is why I love coaching. So you guys need to ask yourself, why is it? And tease out those answers. And then maybe it's where you just think like, for me, it's just it's just the shit. It's just fucking awesome. That's okay. As long as it's like the coaching, not like the outcome. Like I want the money because that's not going to come. It's only going to be a side effect of you being a really effective coach and doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. No, I absolutely love those points you made. And like, that's literally why I created this podcast. I want to interview people who are passionate about what they do and like really make sure that the career that you think is for you, make sure that it really is. And I think you are the living representation of that. So that's really cool. And just to get people kind of a, or an idea of what it's like to be a personal trainer, um, could you just kind of talk about what does a typical day look like for you? Um, yeah, what does a typical day look like for you? For me? Yeah. Oh, it's, well, the greatest thing about what I do now is like, you know, I get the coach when I want to coach. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I get, in terms of like on the floor, coaching the clients, I get the coach when I want to coach. I've got to the position where I'm able to do that. Um, I can coach as literal as much as I want to. Wow. Um, and like, for instance, today, I went in at uh, my first session was 7 o'clock. I'd finished by 9.40. I had a meeting with the team. I shut off at 20 past 11 to come here so that we could have a chat. And that's me finished for the day. I'm going to spend the rest of the day with the kids and stuff like that. Hmm. So I have days like that. Um, I have other days where, I mean, look, if I'm on a project, I'm on a project. I, I, like time goes out the window for me. Again, uh I love this shit. So when, I, when I'm getting into a new project, it could be designing like the new business model for the gym. It could be designing some online fucking thing. You know, there's, it's so changing for me. But look, if I that's where I'm now. Let's go back to the start. Like when I was starting off as a personal trainer, the day I walked in the gym, I had one fucking client. One. I'm not a pot to piss in, not even a window to throw it out of. I had fuck all, man. Not a house, not a car, nothing. It was on the dole, and this was the only money and income I had. And in a while, I had another client. And in another while, I had another client. So it started from one client. Then I had two. Then I got three. And I walked the floor, and I, I applied the exact system I've just given you in here, walking up to people, 
you know, approach people and know that you have the solution to their problems. Like I got guy Paul. Hmm. And very quickly, when you start talking to people, even if you know nothing more, it says you start approaching more people, you start having more conversations, you'll build more relationships. And some of those people are going to want to go further with you. So you're going to start there. You're going to move on to the fact that, like, look, in my beginning, my first sessions were 6, 30, 7, 30, 8, 30, 9, 30. Then I had 5, 6, 7, and 8. Then I, I ended up being up at the fucking 9 o'clock. So I was doing, like, nine hours coaching a day five days a week it was like fucking wild and some other sessions and said like i say it very quickly got to where i was doing 44 sessions in a week right and that's an awful lot of time on the floor coaching and i realized this is fucking broken but i'm so glad because it was in a one-to-one method so i'm so glad i did do that because i realized this doesn't fucking work and mm. a lot of personal trainers could be in that you know on like 44 sessions you're making quite a few quid there when you're doing that but still I had bigger visions and I knew that this wasn't going to fund my vision. Now, if you're not doing 44 sessions, but you can find it. And listen, 44 sessions will burn you out as quick as a motherfucker. Like three months out there, shit. And you're going to want to question your sanity and your fucking life. I don't care how passionate you are about anything. You do you do that shit for three months. You want to just fucking set yourself on fire and run in a room <laughs> naked. So I was like, fucking questioning. Like, Jesus, what am I going to do with this? So there, there probably are some personal trainers who realize that they tap themselves out in terms of time but yet they're not earning the money they want to make. And I think a lot of personal trainers can fall into that trap. Being there, I mean, I, I am your fucking mate, bought the t-shirt, wore it out, fucking burned it. So like uh, that could be where your early mornings, late starts. Yes. I mean, that could be the, the gig. And at that point in time, you've got to realize that you, if nothing changes, nothing changes. There is a better way to do this thing. And there is better ways to structure your business. And you must realize that unless you, build your business around your lifestyle your lifestyle is always going to be built around your business and that means that you will actually fucking get so busy trying to make a living you'll forget to have a life right so that's kind of what it can look like as a personal trainer if you don't have the business savvy to know how to structure it correctly which is what i do with personal trainers the first piece we start is structure let's get you some structure that fucking works second is systems now let's give you the systems that allow you to step away from the floor and it give you some fucking free, you need to buy your free time back. And then at a certain element, it's like, you know, self-development, which is going to be the, the next piece of growth for you. So you can go from like what I just described, where you're working, like you've got this day and night shift and it's fucking early mornings and late, late nights to right up to what I said, we're 44 sessions and all sorts of mixes in between. That's where personal training can start. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think it's great to get a lot of personal training clients and do that because you're learning how to deliver a service. You're learning how to create relationships. You're learning the soft skills of coaching and things important. But at a certain period of time, you're going you're gonna to know a couple of things. One, right, this is the kind of person I want to work with and I hate working with the end people. That's great because now we can help you build your business around more of those people. And then the next thing is like, you can learn like what you want your business to be. You can kind of systemize the business person. You'll have a better clue because new personal trainers can't answer the question. Like, who do you want to train? Don't fucking know. It's like, we'll go out and train a shit load of people. Do that for a year. And then you get back, right? I know who I want to train. And I know who I don't. Okay, cool. Right now, let's talk about structuring your business around that. Now, let's talk about, you know, having some work-life balance. Now, let's talk about actually, you know, generating an income that would allow you to hire someone or get off the floor or follow whatever it is your vision for fitness is. So, what is it like being a personal trainer? It's fucking awesome, one. It's, it's the most rewarding job, if you can even call it that. I mean, but listen, it's, it's tough. And you're giving of yourself 
you know, you're really, you're giving your emotional energy. So you've got to have a lot of emotional resilience to be able to do that. It's tiring in the beginning. It really is. It'll worry you out. So you've got to, you've got to go into this, not winging it. If you go into it, winging it, you'll end up burnt out, exhausted and broke. I've, I've seen it. I've seen guys go in with no plan into a personal training business. And like, it's like anything, if you want to stop with no plan, I mean, you're not going to get any result out of it. It's like walking into the gym with no program and expecting a result. You know, why isn't my bench getting up? It's like, dude, you're not following a fucking program. All right. It's like, you actually have to follow a program that's proven, you know, client proven and market tested to get a result. You've got to do that. So um, it, it is the most rewarding job in the world, if you can call it that. But you've got to be careful not to get yourself or back yourself into a wall unknowingly because you don't actually have a plan or you don't have any progression hmm. in your business. Or you're not, you know, you can get very stuck realizing like thinking you had a business when really what you had was a job. Hmm. All right. And, and that, so be careful, dude. I mean, it's a, like I say, it's a great job. It's, if you can call it that, if you want to become a business, you've got to be following a plan. It's not just going to magically turn into a business one day. Yeah. What you're going to have is a really uncertain, unpredictable job. And you'll be thinking you've got a business when you don't. So like, I know that's a kind of, I'll give you some positives and I'll give you some negatives, but I'm being balanced here. I'm, I'm not trying to convince anybody to be a personal trainer, but I'm wanting them to uh, be, you know, I want them to be grounded in reality here. Yeah. No, I think stating the negatives is actually so, so important. And I think like that's what should be talked about the most really. Cause like, what's the shit part about being a person, being a personal trainer? Like what are difficulties? Because like, if you just think it's going to be like this fairy tale dream where you go into personal training and it's all good, everything's working out. Like, and then you get all these challenges. I think you're just going to be like, Oh, Oh crap. And um, what I've got myself into. So I think it's important to understand that these challenges will come at some time, sometime in the future. And, you know, there's a lot of personal trainers out there. And I'm curious to know, what advice um, do other personal trainers give to other people that you just believe is wrong, that's just plainly wrong? Um, do any any points come to mind? I'll have to, I'll have to just go for the gurus. You know, the personal trainers give them another personal trainer advice. Look, I don't want to enter into that conversation. I mean, I, I don't know why. I'm sure they would all do it from a place of wanting to help. You know what I mean? Um, but look... I would say a lot of personal trainers look up to the advice of so-called experts. And like what I fucking hate is seeing people who don't run gyms or own gyms or actually hire personal trainers, giving advice to how a personal trainer should run his personal training business. That's, that's, that's huge. in 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 sort of coaching space at the minute, so you've got these personal trainers who, you know, they may look at some dude on Instagram and he's got a massive following and he looks legit. And they're given this guru's given this guy advice on how to run his personal training business, but yet he doesn't own a gym. Hmm. I, I just don't fucking get that. Like I run a gym today. You know, the cost of operating my facility is 45 grand a month. Cost to operate the facility is 45 grand a month. You know, that's a big fucking business. So believe me, if you're, if you're experiencing a problem in your personal training business today, realize that I've, I've been through that. I've seen that. And not only that, I've coached, countless hundreds of others through that exact problem so i mean i can make it i can give you the speed and ease to overcome that's the problem and i hate seeing people you know get bad advice and they take the bad advice because they look at the credentials of how many what's the following this guy's got but it pisses me off it's like do your fucking research make sure the people you get information from actually do what you're doing today 
you know, I'm still cashing checks and breaking necks in the fucking fitness industry today in three different capacities. We've got a gym, we've got a, an educational facility, and we've got a, a coaching business that coaches people from maybe their first 5K to 25K a month and beyond. You know, so I, I, I hate seeing the advice because it's not based in client-tested, results-proven info, which we have. So that annoys me. The second thing I would say, I, I see this all the time. I've said it already. Build a brand. It's like, go shove your brand up your hole. Do you know what? I want to sell so much shit. And here's the salesman coming at me again. See, I, I can come across quite direct when I say it. Sell so much shit, i.e. affect so much people in a positive way using fitness that you get money. Right? But sell so much shit. Build your client base as much as you can. Have a fucking great tribe. Have a thriving gym. And if you build a brand as a side effect, so be it. But don't concentrate on the brand. Concentrate on serving your clients best. Concentrate on serving your market the best. Therefore, you will make more sales. You will have happy clients who are having great results and you're having a great time coaching them. And as a result of doing that so well, you will build a brand. Yeah. And that's coming. Then the third one, and we'll stop on three because I like threes, <laughs> is this whole, you need a website. No, you fucking don't. No, you don't need a website. Bollocks. You need a fucking list. You need a neat... Build, I would counter with this. Build an email list. I have an email list of maybe 2,000 people. I do 15K a week off email. Just sending emails. If I asked you, would you like to be able to send seven emails a week? And, you know, sometimes an email will take me 20 minutes to write. All right? Sometimes nine, between nine and 20 minutes. Imagine you spend between nine and 20 minutes a day and make even, you know, fucking a couple of grand a week. Would you be happy with that? Oh, yeah. Then start building a fucking email list. Fuck your website, build an email list. And I can guarantee you, if you do that, you'll have something way more powerful than any website. And in time, you may need a website, but you don't need it right now. You can make money straight away. You can get clients straight away by simply building a list that you control. And all your marketing efforts, all of them, your Instagram, if you're doing Instagram, brilliant. If you're doing content marketing, brilliant. Make sure it leads to an email list because you control that. Look, imagine you were going and, I don't know, do you like skiing? Demandis, do you like skiing? I've done it once and I love to, yeah. Snowboarding, snowboarding. Yeah, you go snowboarding. Uh, like, it could be as simple as this. You sent nine emails, you know, just before you go skiing mm. and make yourself a grand just to pay for your ski pass up the, up the mountains. Wouldn't that be yeah. nice? Mm. Don't have an email list, don't have the possibility of doing it. Mm. You want to go on a summer holiday. I mean, this is the thing. When you have the ability to sell at will, i.e. you can write emails and get paid, mm. that is huge. Now, this could be in personal training. This could be in e, you know, uh, ebooks. It could be in fucking information marketing. It could be in anything you want. Mm. But the fact is, most people are so concentrated on you know just doing like stories and things, which is evaporating. And you constantly got to do that. Whereas like everything I do is building a list, and it's building a list of leads and buyers, and that is so so powerful. And I think people can get stuck in the information put out. Like you need a website. It's like no, you don't. Which would be what would be more powerful is a list that you can control and you can sell to at will. That would be my advice. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 an interesting perspective. To yeah, hundred percent agree. Um, and let's just say there's a let's just say you have to train a complete noob in a way and um, to become a world class personal trainer in six weeks. What would you yeah. focus on? Already done it last year. There was a dude come through. Uh, oh yeah, elite last year. Yeah, you have fucking multiple stories of that. I mean, this is what I do best. So what do you focus so like, on? What do you focus on within that six weeks? 
So the first thing we focused on is that one, he actually has a fucking plan. Mm-hmm. So it's like, dude, how much money do you want to make? Like, what, what is, what do you want your business to look like? Mm-hmm. And he said, well, you know, I have an idea that would like to me make an X amount of pounds. It's like, okay, well, when are you going to work? Let, let's look at the structure again. You start a structure. Mm-hmm. How are you structure this? What days you going to work? And then we build the business model. It's like most people aren't making the money they want to make. And normally, the figure, the first figure personal trainers want for me is fifty k. Mm-hmm. I want to make fifty k. And you're like, okay, well, let's see what you're doing. And you look at what they're doing and they're like, what I want, how am I going to get to 50K next year? Um, this is really boring. It's the unsexy stuff, right? But it has the biggest impact. It's like, dude, do you realize even if you sold out all your spots, you would only ever make 27,000 pounds. So it's impossible the way you set up your business to make 50K. Oh, fuck. I never knew. Yet. It's like, but if we did this, we can. Oh, fuck. So it's that. So with the guy, Adam, he's the latest one. Dude's 21 and finishes elite. We made him out a plan. He came back to me two months later. He says, Sean, I'm making 4K a month recurring income. And it's like, cool. That's really, really good. So he's making like, what, 48K, right? So it's like, awesome. And he goes, now I have a problem because I'm going back to university and I'm studying my master's and I can only put 15 hours into the fitness business, but I don't want to drop income. I said, okay, well, this is how we're going to do it. And what we changed was, we changed a few things around and we restructured his business so that he could make 5K recurring income. And he's, he was doing that within 12 weeks. Wow. So he was making 4K and 6. And when we restructured, within 12 weeks, he was doing the, the 5K. Actually, it was between 5 and 7K because then we added an online element. Then the dude's 21 years old. He was a personal trainer, you know, 68 weeks. And I remember at one of the mastermind meetings that we had, there was a dude who was in the industry 12 years. And when Adam stood up and gave his, fig- his figures on the board, your man was nearly in tears. He was like, I'm 12 years in this industry and I'm still not making what you are. And you're how long? And he's like, six months. He's like, and it blew his fucking mind. See, the experience sometimes doesn't matter how long you've put in it. If you're not being asked the right questions, because what can happen is if you're in 12 years in the business, you're built 12 years of paradigms, i.e., I've always done it that way, so I will continue to do it that way instead of challenging those paradigms. And what you need is somebody who will actually fucking make you restructure your shit and think different. Hmm. And unless you start, like I said, if nothing changes, nothing changes. So there's these people saying, I'm 12 years in this industry. I should be able to do better. And it's like, well, really? Just because you're 12 years in the industry, you get paid more? No, you get paid for your result. And the result is going to be down to like the experience and the product and service and the offering that you give to the market. Because the market is the market and they're going to decide what you're worth. And Adam just simply followed the steps he trusted the process and he did the fucking work and then this dude was shocked because he was like fuck me it's like 12 years and i'm still making that not making that money you know so like this and again this comes back to like all the wishing and all the all all the hoping in the world is not going to generate the structure and the systems you need in the business to provide the income that you want to make i mean or the lifestyle that you want to have and if you're not doing it now like how bad does it have to get until you want to ask for fucking help. Like, you know, so if you're doing it in six weeks, one, you start with the structures. Like, is your business actually set up that you could make the money that you need to make next year? And do you have a plan? Are you like, here's where I am now. Here's where I want to be. Have you mapped out the work you need to do in order for it to get there? Do you actually know the steps, the actionable steps you need to do in order for this thing to come true? And if not, then you need to fucking get them. There needs to be a roadmap. Like imagine, it's, notice like, it's like somebody coming to you, Demandis, and saying, I want to bench 200 kilos 
in 12 weeks. You, did you say 12 weeks or six weeks? Six weeks. Six weeks? It's like, what are you benching now, Demandis? Um, I don't know. I haven't been to the gym in a while now since since COVID. Um, okay, well, consider the possibility you're not going to bench 200 kilos in, 12, in six weeks. Yeah. Let's look at what we could bench. What are you benching now? If you say 90 kilos, it's like, well, let's look at something that makes fucking sense here. Because hmm. let's not talk bullshit. I'm not going to blow smoke up your ass and tell you you can, you can fucking bench 300 kilos. It's not going to hmm. happen. But let's see what could be, let's look at what you're able to produce right now. Let's see what we can tweak to get here. If you're happy with that, we can work on that together. And it's making, it's fitness and business are exactly the same in that they work best when you have a coach with a proven track record of getting results who's going to walk you through every step of getting that. Hmm. So what I do is I would plot where you are now, ask you some difficult questions so that we're really not talking shit to each other. Look at where you want to be and then I'll tell you what you need to do in order to get there. I'll show you what you need to do. And then it's down to you to put in the work. The mm. beautiful thing about Adam is he just fucking trusted the process, process, did the work. He didn't come back with his excuses. He came back and said, I've done that. What's next? Mm. You know, let's go. And I can move as fast as you move. Yeah. So the thing is, how do you get, how do you get it? Well, everybody's going to be from a different start position. How do you get them to make to be successful in six weeks? It's going to be different for every single person. Just like, if you're in your fitness journey, everybody has different goals. So therefore we have different start points and different end points. So it, it, that's really it. It starts with the structure. Then it looks at the systems. Hmm. Structuring the systems will get most people to 15K a month easily if you do the work. So what are the structure and the systems? If we perhaps, if you give us three, three bullet points to look at the structure and the systems, what should people do to get 15K okay, a month? Structure, the, the first thing we need to look, about, look at in structure is your capacity. So I want to earn 50K. It's like, okay, how many slots do you have in the week available to train people? I have, you know, 20. Okay, how many people do you train in a slot? One. Okay, you've got 20 slots a week, right? How much are you charging for personal training? Uh, 50 quid. It's like, okay, so you have 20 slots in a week and you're charging 50 quid an hour. That's probably in around about 1,300 quid. You could make about 67,600 euros a year if they were all completely full, right? It's the capacity. You need to understand the capacity, but most people don't have 20 slots. They've maybe got they've got 11 or 12, and they're maybe charging 25 or less. Or, and it's like you're never going to make this money that you want to make because your capacity isn't right. So they need to understand the capacity equation, which is number of slots that you have available in the week and then the price that you charge minus the average number of visits. That'll give you your capacity, and you'll understand will your business actually make the money you need to make. And then it's down to like, right, okay, do you, the next the next structure that you need to have is, do you have a recurring payment system in your business and a booking system? So if I asked personal trainers, how long do you spend like booking We Mary in on a fucking Tuesday? And then We Mary goes, oh, shit, the cat's puked on the floor and, you know, the kid's sick and like, I can't go to the session today. And then you have to scribble that out. All this administration shit. Why not just get an app that handles both the booking and the payments from your clients so they do it, and it's 50 quid, be 100 quid a month for that system. How much bullshittery would that remove from your week? How much like mental clarity would that give you? How much more enthusiasm would you have for everything else when you've taken away those 12 to 15 hours of bullshit out of your week, just dicking around a week, just fucking invest in an app? That's what Adam did. He did all this. See, he did this. He looked at the structure, he invested in the app, he got his clients sorted, and they were paying on auto pay. What I mean is, it comes out of their bank every month like Netflix. People people always confuse what I'm saying here when I'm saying like recurring payments. They're like, yeah, 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 my, my guys, they pay they buy 10 sessions, blocks. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. No, 
Like Netflix charges me whether I watch it or whether I don't. It's up to the clients that begin to the sessions. You make the sessions available. They and the money comes out of their account. That is it. That's the way it has to work. That's what we're talking about. Now you have all of your energy, your emotional resilience, and everything to offer to the service delivery, the experience and the product that you actually deliver in the gym. Because you're not your time isn't taken up with like fucking Mary and Beavis that want to change their slot and this guy owes you fifty quid and he hasn't paid for it. All that dick, remove that from your business. So you've got the capacity, you've got the payment systems, and you've got the booking in system. Those are the three first things that look at structure. Now, we could delve into like how do you actually look at your week, like what's going on in your week, like the times that you have, but I mean that's probably a wee bit deep for this conversation. So that's what the first things I would look at the structure. They're going to be the lowest hanging fruit and give you the quickest wins. In terms of systems in your business, you need five systems. You need a lead generation system. You need a sales system. You need a referral system, reactivation system, and a fulfillment system. Those are the five systems you need in your, your, your fitness business. Lead generation turns visitors to your content and everything into leads. I name, email, phone number. Even at the stage further, it could be they make an application, which is really, really nice, especially if you do high-ticket stuff. Lots of people run around now selling high-ticket stuff. And, like, you know, we were the original dudes selling high-ticket stuff and teaching that. And then if you're talking to sales systems, like, do you understand? Like, this very simple system I talked to you about there. We can move that on three layers deep. I give you layer one. It's like, this is the simplest sales system you can put in your business right now. There's two layers deeper than that. And then you've got a referral system, like, the people who you sell into your business, do you have a method of like saying, dude, how have you like training me over the last couple of months? It's fucking awesome. Is there anyone you have in your social circle that would love the experience, the kind of results that we've got together as me as a coach, me as a client? Fucking right. Who who could you think of? Dave, Dave would love this. You know what, mate? Take this card. It's a gift card for a month to my services. I want to give the, I want to give this to Dave. I'm going to write his name on it. Dave, there you go. That's a simple referral system. That's for Dave. Now we've got a name in this thing. He's going to give out to Dave. Chances are, the guy that gives out the day, he's going to be pretty qualified because if he's hanging around with that guy, he has the money to pay for personal training. He, he's going to be cool, you know, like your client. And your, your, your client is going to big you up and say, fuck, you got to go try this piece out. So that's the easiest way to turn one client into two. Do that with every single person who comes through your gym. Fucking watch how quickly your gym grows or how quickly your clientele grows. Reactivation is like how many people have you lost over the last three months? Do you have a way of like reaching out to them and saying, dude, I'd fucking love to see you back. If you're interested, all I want you to do is give me a thumbs up to this email. See why having a list good? Just give me a thumbs up if you're interested in having a discussion about how we can come back. You see that thumbs up? Boom. Ring them. Set show close. And then uh, fulfillment system is like, do you actually have a system for delivering personal training? Do you have an onboarding system? Do you have a programming system? Do you have a nutritional protocol? Do you have all that shit nailed? And we can go further and further and deeper and deeper than that. But those are the, the start point, the five systems you need in your fitness business. So there you go. Structure and systems, the three system, the three structures and the five systems. Wow. I love it. Yeah, there's a lot of information packed in those. Um, I'm definitely going to have to re-listen and just uh, kind of digest what you said there. But yeah, 100%. Um, and now just a couple more questions for you. So let's just say you, you were talking earlier on about our questions or even in, 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 in your Instagram post, you were saying, you know, the, your life is just your income is dependent on your questions on the quality of your questions that you ask yourself um so i'm very curious to know uh what kind of questions do you ask yourself on a daily basis on a weekly basis just in general what kind of questions do you ask yourself 
Really good ones, man. Really good ones. The co- what I said is the, the income in your lifetime is totally dependent upon the quality and the quantity of the questions that you ask. That's, now, the that's one. in many capacities. It's in mm. many capacities because, look, I mean, coaching, if we take, if we take coaching, because I know I was talking about it in that Instagram post from a sales perspective, but a lot of people make the wrong decisions with their clients because they haven't asked the right questions at the beginning. So sometimes you can have somebody who is all the way down the line on some goal that we've worked on with this client only for the client to turn around and say, do you know what? See this goal. And like, I just don't care about this. And it's, I don't really don't give a fuck about getting the 200 kilo squad anymore. And the reason being is sometimes us as coaches, if we're into squatting and squatting heavy numbers, we can shoot our clients. Do you know what? If you, you know, if you had a 200 kilo squat, you'd be, you'd be so great. You'd be awesome. You should really think about squat heavier. And this is called the law of the instrument. If all we've got to hammer, everything becomes a nail. It's really our social conditioning. If we're powerlifters, we can kind of steer our clients towards the sort of big three lifts. And sometimes subconsciously, it's just like we place some magic on the squat and having a back squat. And we place some magic on deadlift from the straight bar. And we place some magic on deadlift from the bench. So we're, we're not actually doing the right thing by the client. Do you know, so that all comes from asking the right questions and really investigating. So there's a, a book, I think it's Simon Covey, is The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. Mm-hmm. And it says, seek first to understand. So really what we must do is, as coaches or as salespeople, we must first understand the person in front of us. We must understand their problems so well that, in fact, we could describe back their frustrations better than they could describe it themselves. And when we're able to do that, now we've got to the point where we understand and we could prescribe or we could advise. But we're we're prescribing and advising from the place and the concept of wanting to do the right thing by the client. And we've gotten there from understanding exactly what he's experiencing. And the only way to do that is the big, big questioning. Now, this is what I see different from, I suppose, myself as a salesperson and when people are trying to learn sales is, you know, usually, you know, you'll, you'll have a sales script in front of you and you go, Demantis, so how are you doing today, Demantis? And so you're interested in person to tell me, what do you struggle with most? And then they answer and then you go, oh, and why is that important to you? Because it is. Oh, it's important to you. Okay, so moving on. Right? They ask the question to get the answer so they can move on to the next question. Whereas people who are understanding that what that's trying to do is set up a framework for you to find something that's interesting where you think you should go more and say, well, tell me what. Let, let me understand a bit more about this. I need to understand more. About and you're questioning because you're really genuinely curious and you're curious from the point of wanting to understand to the place where you can actually feel 100% confident that you're not prescribing to say, oh, I, I know the answer to this. No, you're prescribing from the place of like, no, I understand that although the right thing, you know, for 90% of the time would be to say this, actually, because the mantis uniquely has these things and these things and these things, that would actually be the wrong thing. And, you know, we should do this. You know, so look, I'll give you the example. Like, if you look at somebody's food diary, somebody goes, I'm not losing weight. And you go, okay, let's look at your food diary. All right. Oh, I've got it. Look, see that potato? Just change that for veggies. There you go. You sorted. Without asking, well, why does he eat potatoes there? Look, I noticed that you're eating potatoes here. Oh, yeah. Well, do you know what? Every Friday I go around to my mate's barbecue and like he makes that shit. And I, I really, really enjoy those. And I fucking, all right, you really enjoy them? Yeah, I really okay. And is it a priority for you to go out at the weekend and have that barbecue? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, cool. So why would the fuck you change that? If he loves that, it's like, okay, that's important. Yes, it is important. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, if you're happy to keep the potatoes in there and, you know, that's, yeah, yeah, I'm happy with that. 
rather than like, I know the right answer, cheese with fucking potatoes, because like if you take that away from him and then in his life, he's going like, I go to that barbecue now and I'm fucked off because I can't get the potatoes and he's going to be pissed off. That's good. There's other, there's a, another load of shit compounding actions and reactions that that's going to happen. So again, the right answer isn't the right answer in that circumstance. Mm. So we have to really understand the reasons behind people's actions before we can prescribe or shoot them. And then what we're doing is like we're making goals that we feel they should have rather than goals that they want to have themselves. So that's on a coaching perspective. And from a sales perspective, it's again, I mean, same thing. We're either prescribing exercise or we're prescribing a solution to a problem. In sales, there are where, there, where there's needs, you know, where there's problems, there's needs. And we're trying to find where's the problem, where's the frustration. That frustration will define there's a need and a desire. And where there's a need and a desire, there's a solution. Where there's a solution, there's a product. And where there's product, there's sales. So you see the way that it's question that leads us in this path. Mm. And then there comes a time where you have to say, well, look, this is what we could do together. I can open up these two options for you. Now, look, if I were you, and look, I can't make any decisions for you, but I think the best one would be for these reasons. But there is this option over here too. I mean, you will choose what's right for you. Yeah. You know, again, that's why most people like either prescribe the wrong exercise program for somebody because they are shooting people or they jump too quick to, you know, into presenting the solution and want to sell a product. So they, they haven't asked the right questions. Therefore, they haven't built up enough trust with the client in order to earn the right to pitch. Mm. Yeah, so you kind of have to go to the root cause of something. Like, for example, when you when you were given that example with weight, um, you know, if, if a person enjoys going to the weekend and spending some time with their friends, having a barbecue, cool, leave that in. Don't cut it out. Otherwise, yeah. you're going to be miserable. So like what, yeah. what you're saying, just like, you know, go to the root things and the root cause and make sure... Um, that it's right on the on the fundamental level. Find the priorities. I mean, if that's the priority of the person, it's like, how important is that to you? Did you enjoy your shit of the weekend? Oh, mm. fuck, I love that. I go with my wife, meet my friends, and yeah, we're going to eat whatever's at the barbecue. Cool. Then I'm not going to change that. I'm going to mm. find something else. And rather than just like, potatoes are bad. You should eat veggies. You know, yeah, that is the right solution. But it's kind of <laughs> like, you know, knowledge, understanding that, you know, tomatoes are fruit, but wisdom, knowing not to put it in the fruit salad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so we must align priorities, people's priorities with our prescriptions. Mm, yeah, that makes complete sense. Right. And I'm just going to ask you some rapid fire questions and then we can finish up, finish up with the podcast. Really? So in the last five years, what is a habit, belief or behavior that has had the most in- positive influence on your overall life? Habit, belief or behavior. Okay. Um, and so we're sticking to structure. Like... And it's been longer than five years, but I, I get up early. I'll, I've always got up early since I had a train before work, going back to the motor shade days. And then being a personal trainer means you get up early. And now that I don't have to get up early, I still get up early and do shit. Mm-hmm. I get up early and maybe do some deep work. Um, or I work on myself. And I suppose that getting up early affords me a lot more time when, as, uh, when I'm at my most productive. I find I'm most productive in the morning, so I like to do shit in the mornings. I read the emails in the mornings. I may read in the mornings or I do like meditation for me, you know, meditation and that structure has provided the, the probably the biggest uh, benefits for me. I meditate now twice a day. So it's kind of bookended morning and night. And I just find that really helps. And um, I'm, I'm a crazy motherfucker most of the times. So that kind of helps to balance me out and slow me down. I, I think a little. Yeah. Getting up early meditation. Love it. 
and what would you place on a billboard so let's just say there's a billboard and you could display any message that the whole world can see anyone in the whole world can see this message on a billboard and uh, non-commercial message uh what would your message be what would you place on that billboard don't, don't fuck with cats that's just coming straight in my head i don't know why don't fuck with cats yeah 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 that was a crazy movie that wasn't it just yeah don't fuck with cats i know okay <laughs> <laughs> Um, what advice would you give to a college student who's about to graduate and enter the real real world who's going to graduate and enter the real world Mm -hmm. prepare yourself shit's fucked up out there man shit's fucked up out there there's this Um, shit called COVID yeah (laughs) yeah there's a lot of things there's a lot of things um (laughs) And what have you changed your mind about recently? Mm, geez, there's a lot of things. In what area? Uh, whatever pops in your head. The first thing that came into your head. Well, what was it? Oh, geez, well, it was coaching. It was like my perspective on coaching has changed an awful mm-hmm. lot. It's been changing for a while. Um, and I suppose the next evolution of it, kind of like what I said, instead of shooting people, the line of priorities with, um, what's important, like my prescription, the prescription right. priorities, like, mm-hmm. that's huge. And understanding where coaching is, it's like, it's not like you have to have more knowledge than this person, but you're a greater facilitator than anyone else. I think that's that's the biggest change. Okay. I'm, um, I'm answering your CV now. <laughs> and what, what has been the best investment you ever made? Now, this investment might be time, it might be energy, it might be money. Just in general, like, what do you think is the best investment you ever made? The time in the motor shift, no doubt. And the, the, I suppose, well, this is going to sound weird, but I think the best lesson I ever heard, had in life was losing £25 million pound business and losing that £4.5 million company. That was, I mean, like, where could you take a training course that cost that much? Mm. That was a big lesson because I suppose there's two ways you can come from that. You can be like, ah, the fucking world is against me. Ah. You know, you can take that. I didn't. I took a complete opposite. It was like, mm, well, what the fuck am I going to do now? I suppose, and um, you could fall into the trap of like being shamed from that kind of thing and feeling like a massive, you know, uh, a lot of people laughing behind your back and just, oh, yeah, well, look at him, he's fucked now. I didn't feel any of and I didn't have any remorse or resent for anybody. I just was like, I'm better than this. I, I can come back from this. And I was just going to do it for the right reasons. So I think um, that was a really huge lesson. I think that was the best could you call it investment? Yeah, it was. It was a, that was a massive investment. That was the best one I've had. Mm-hmm. Um, if you had dinner with three people, who would they be? Live or dead? Alive or dead? Bruce Lee has to be one of them. And half the, the you know, poke out man's brain there, definitely. Bruce Lee. Um, who else would be pretty cool? Say Jordan Belfort would be cool to have at a dinner party. And... Uh, um, who else? Dennis Rodman. He's a mad bastard. I'm gonna be a crazy dinner. Br- Jesus, yeah. Jordan Belfort, Bruce Lee, and Dennis Rodman. I love to see that at a fucking dinner table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll be that'll be an interesting one for sure. Um, <laughs> what have been your most gifted or recommended books? So, do any books come to mind that you've gifted the most to other people? Definitely, Rich Dad Poor Dad. I think that's a, um, an incredible book, and um, I think everyone should read that. I mean, the ones that I've mentioned there already are pretty good. Um, another one I would say is Influence by Robert B. Caldini. Um, anything else I can think of? 
Um, no, can't think of anything else right now. Oh, I've said The Changemaker by John Berardi. I think anybody that's a personal trainer, if you, I mean, you just need to read that book. If you're a personal trainer or a coach, you have got to read it. It's, you have to read it. You just have to read it. Hmm. And the final question for you is, what is your definition of chasing passion? Well, actually, it's funny because um, I asked my dad this because my dad was the dude who started the company. And just to give you, make it a, make a long story short, he was the kind of dude who worked all day in the garage, right? And then came home at his dinner and had a garage at the house and went and built like antique cars. And I was like, I was asking like, dad, how do I become successful? And he said, find out whatever it is that's your hobby and then make that your job. And I suppose that's, the, I think, passion it's that it's like the thing that you continue to do but you, you can't keep track of time you just you lose yourself in it that that's what you're passionate about it's the thing that you keep you continually keep finding yourself doing and don't need to pull yourself away from somebody else has to pull you away from it and i think the key to success is we can make that your job and i didn't know like that was he found his passion his passion was working in cars he fucking mm-hmm. loved that shit you know mm-hmm. um, i didn't find mine until i was 29 years old just happened to be fitness but then I realized, shit, I should have been doing this my entire life. But I wouldn't have been doing it had it not been for the events that led up to it. So I suppose passion is the thing that you continually find yourself doing without having to look at the clock. It's like that that's the thing that you're passionate about, I think. And it gives you fulfillment. Hmm. Working hard for something you love. Working hard for something, but you actually love it. I think that's Simon Sinek's definition of passion. He says, passion is working hard for something you love. And stress is working hard for something you don't. Something like that. Love it. Well, Sean, it was an absolute pleasure talking to you. Really, really enjoyed the conversation. And just where's a good place for people to find you if they want to learn more about what you do, if they want to subscribe to your email list, um, where's a good place to go? Okay, so if you want to subscribe to my email list right now, they should go to www.elitefpa.ie. That's E-L-I-T-E-F-P-A.ie. So you can stick a link in. And you can download a couple of things on there. You can download, like, you know, if you're looking at becoming a fitness professional, you might want to see what careers are available. Right now, I have a, like, is one of these 30 fitness careers your dream job too? So you can research, like, 30 careers, see the pros and cons, and see case studies of people who've done that. And by doing so, you'll also get on my email list. Um, You can go to my Instagram, which is just plainly Sean McGarity, where I'm talking purely business coaching. And yeah, there's actually a couple of things you can do there. So if someone already is a personal trainer and wants to get help with their business, you can uh, schedule some time with me. Um, you can download the COVID relaunch plan where I give the, one of the five systems I talked about, the reactivation system, I give you it for free. So basically it's the closest thing you can get to being coached by me over the next week in order to get like between 30 to 50% of your members back in your gym. So you can do that free. Um, we also, loads of resources. You can check out our Facebook pages and there's also a podcast we do there ourselves, but that's probably loads, isn't it? Plenty, plenty to keep us going. And any final comments, anything else you want to say just before we finish up, any closing thoughts? No, man, I just want to thank you for having me on the show. It's been awesome. It's been good crack. Sean, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Take it smooth and easy, mate. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode and I really hope you enjoyed it. You can find all the show notes on the website chasingpassionpodcast.com. Just before we finish up, would you consider leaving a short review on Apple Podcast? This will take less than 60 seconds and it'll help me out so much. You can find a link for Apple Podcast in the episode description 
or just search Chasing Passion on Apple Podcasts and you'll find it right there. If you do enjoy the podcast, give it a share. Tell your friends. It would be super, super helpful. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day.